Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA podcast. I am Jason and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. What's going on, Jason? Not a whole lot. You know, I'm just um, thinking about things that I have done for an extremely long time, like this podcast. We have <laughs> done this podcast for, gosh, going on five years now? Is that is it uh, really? Holy that crap. That sounds about right. Wow. Yeah. Is, that, is that true? Uh, that, uh, someone will check that. For <laughs> I don't know if that's wrong. true. We'll go with yeah. it. I like it. It's got a nice yeah. ring to it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Maybe four years. Either way, it's been a long, it's been a, <laughs> you know. It feels like five years. For if that's good or not, I don't know. Oh, I'm so you sorry. Know. I didn't know that was such a you know such a drain on your life, Jason. I'm sorry. I'll, you know, Take I'll it see a whole myself year out of my life. <laughs> I'll yes. just see myself out then. All right. Well, I guess that podcast is done. Thanks. Yeah, for so great episode. Yeah, no. good stuff. Yeah. So, talk about the Spotify or whatever. We're on Spotify. Yeah. Go there. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> Leave us a review. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So we are. Uh, that's a fun segue into. Uh, <laughs> We're going to talk about the longest tenures that uh, any NBA player has had with one franchise. And we're going to talk about guys who spent their entire career with a franchise, guys who were on one team for an extremely long time and then just danced around with it, you know, got divorced and just, you know, fluttered about with it, <laughs> a, bunch, a bunch of other teams, you know, toward the end of their career. Uh so yeah, I, some interesting uh, discussion I believe will come out of uh, will come out of this, and this was you know sparked by a you know, pretty what is kind of a, a momentous event in NBA history. Yeah, and that's uh, you know this offseason, Dirk Nowitzki uh, officially signed a one year deal to uh, remain with the Dallas Mavericks. So barring you know any sort of catastrophe uh, during preseason, uh, that he will play his twenty first season with the Mavericks, which will be the most all time uh, for a player with one franchise. And then also barring him just randomly deciding to like join the Grizzlies or something next year, uh, that will. Uh, and he seems to indicate that this is it, and this is his last year, and this is his final year with the Mavericks. So uh, this will be it for Dirk. But yeah, this will break the record then for twenty one years. Also we'll start out with Dirk, of course, uh, with one. One franchise, so 21 years with uh, the Mavericks. Uh, at this point, he's the franchise leader in games, minutes played, field goals, field goal attempts, three-pointers, free throws, offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, blocks, points, PR, win shares, and valuable replacement players. So, yeah, Dirk uh, definitely sets uh, the standards for the Dallas Mavericks franchise and will go down in, and it'll be very difficult for anybody to eclipse what, what Dirk has done with the Dallas Mavericks. I don't know if it'll ever be done. It'll be, it'll take another in, insanely monumental season or a monumental career to even touch uh, what Dirk has done with the Mavericks. Of course, getting them to their first, you know, prolonged amount of, you know, you know, success, first prolonged amount of playoff success and obviously a championship. I mean, that's Dirk's just the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, he's synonymous with the Dallas Mavericks now. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, right. And he was, you know, when he came to the franchise, I mean, they'd obviously had some really good players. You know, they had 
they had Derek Harper, obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, Mark Aguirre. They had, um, you know, some really good players in the 80s and 90s. But um, he w- there was absolutely an opportunity for someone to come in and cement themselves as the great player of the franchise. And yeah, I, it is highly, highly, highly unlikely that everyone, anyone is ever going to be able to eclipse what he's done for that team. I mean, I, I think he's he's pretty much, uh, he, he is the Mavericks icon and there's pretty much no knocking him off the perch barring, you know, something exceptional happening. Yeah, and the thing that was kind of interesting about him, too, is it was tough to find any even instance where it was like Dirk was maybe going to leave or it was rumored in trades or whatnot. It felt like pretty much from like 2005, he was pretty much locked into that team and it was never, ever going to really change. And obviously the success and the MVPs and the championship and stuff kind of locked him in for good. But yeah, it was tough to find any sort of example of Dirk, you know, maybe not being there for the long haul or, you know, even after his rookie year where, where there were some up and downs or whatnot, it seemed like they were pretty confident in sticking with him. So yeah, he's unique in this. We're going to talk about some guys here and there that, that did, you know, there were rumors possibly of them moving on and doing other places, but it was nearly impossible to find anything of Dirk other than just unsubstantiated rumors of Dirk going anywhere else. It's almost been no contest that he was just going to go to the Mavericks every single year. Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, I just want to mention that uh, Dirk and uh, and presumably Vince Carter again, with if, as long as there's no uh, shenanigans during training camp, will become uh, the, the next two players to play 21 seasons in the league, joining Robert Parrish, Kevin Willis, and uh, Kevin Garnett. And of course, all of those players have uh, played for uh, uh, several teams, including uh, Willis has played for eight teams, and uh, and Carter will be joining his eight teams when he uh, when he plays for the Hawks. Uh, so, oh God, uh, I forgot he's with the Hawks. God damn it. <laughs> Hey uh, now, let's, well, let's not I mean, come on. <laughs> you play the strings out in Atlanta with the Hawks. Oh, Jesus. oh yeah, well, uh, it's better than the Kings. I mean, uh, come on. You're, you're, right, you're right. Okay, there's that, a little more to do than that. All that right. is the that is if nothing that is the Atlanta Hawks slogan this year is hey, at least it's not the Kings. Better right? than the Kings. Hey, yeah. The Kings. yeah, more dignity than the Kings. I think that's, that's right. Yeah. Oh yeah, I like so. that dignity and put the little you know put a little crown on the D there. That'd be pretty good. There you the, go. The that's Hawks good. just to troll yeah. the Sacramento Kings for no reason whatsoever. Our next guy here, just one year off from Dirk. Uh, this will be the guy that Dirk is beating uh, the record for. is Kobe Bryant. So a lot of recent guys in history. Kobe Bryant, uh, of course, with the Los Angeles Lakers. He's a franchise leader in games, minutes played, field goals, three-pointers, free throws, steals, points, uses percentage, of course, uh, and win shares. But uh, yeah, Kobe was an interesting case because there was a time, you know, 2006, 2007, 2008, where it looked like he might be on the way out. And there's the famous, you know, trade rumor and the, the, the trade request that Kobe made. So there is a real possibility that Kobe would not have been able to get, you know, another 10 years that he did with the Lakers. But uh, other than that like you know weird moment in the trade request uh you know in the, in the mid 2000s pretty much he had been a laker then almost from from you know a, after you know they the success had come back with 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 Paul Gasol and, and Lamar Odom and they won their titles or whatever felt like Kobe was just going to stay there forever then uh but yeah it, it there was a time where where Kobe you know was really rumored to go on there and apparently uh, according to him made a pretty strong trade request to to leave uh, the Lakers so it'd have been interesting to see how history would have uh, played that out uh, if he were to leave yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it was I mean, there was video of him, uh, you know, going and saying basically, you know, trade Andrew Bonham, trade his ass. I, I believe was the uh, phrase for <laughs> yep. for Jason Kidd. So, yeah. So that was very. It, it's kind of been glossed over a little bit because, of, of course, you know, they got Gasol and had the success they had in the, at the end of the decade. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that was definitely looked like that was gonna you know end very poorly, and uh, he wasn't gonna necessarily be with the Lakers for his entire career. But I'm, you know, it, it worked out very well. Uh, um, both in basketball terms and especially in um, you know uh, f- financial terms, for like yes, <laughs> of a better way to put it, you know, 
Um, interesting that Dirk and Kobe uh, both were not drafted by their original teams. You right. Know, yeah. Dirk, Dirk drafted by the Bucks and Kobe drafted by the Hornets. So, uh, so there's no one as uh, you know, someone still has the opportunity to uh, be drafted uh, by their original team and stay with their original team for uh, you know more than 20 seasons. Uh, you know, if someone wants to take that challenge, maybe at some point that'll happen. But Mike Conley, we're looking your way. We're going to talk about Mike Conley here in a little bit. It's there you unbelievable go. that yeah. we're talking about Mike Conley, but we are going to talk about yeah. Mike Conley later. So, uh, I mean, Dennis Haslam, I think obviously. Well, well, he wasn't drafted, so I guess that doesn't count. But uh, oh, maybe, oh darn! Well, maybe yeah. he could. Maybe he could last last six more years. Uh, that's possible. <laughs> Please, dear God, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So next on our list, John Stockton here. Nineteenth season with the Utah Jazz, just one away from Jason's uh, record, as you mentioned there a little bit. Uh, Stockton's an interesting case because uh, his draft was, you know, 1984, the very famous 1984 draft. He was not a really resounding. I mean, people really didn't love. That they drafted him in Utah. There, there was a uh, uh, there's a newspaper report from June 19th, 1984, that talks about the fact that the Jazz they gathered a bunch of fans at the Salt Palace for the draft party, and they announced Gonzaga guard, you know, John Stockton. And then th- this quote says there was no booze, no cheers, nothing. Nobody knew what to make of this guy. Nobody was really upset, but nobody was happy. It just felt like ah, John Stockton, really. And what's funny is there was a uh, I don't know the name in front of me, but there was a Gonzaga teammate that everybody wanted more than John Stockton. And for some reason, everybody was kind of perplexed that that the Jazz and oh, teams picked you know or were on Stockton and not uh, this other Gonzaga teammate but it's pretty interesting to see uh, how the no beers uh, no booze no cheers nothing ended up with a you know a 19 career and a legendary career uh, with Utah Jazz for uh, for John Stockton yeah and that's you know he did so much for the team obviously along with Carl Malone who um uh, you know, uh, almost made this list as well. Um, obviously, the, <laughs> we'll the, talk the, the longevity that, yeah. part. Yeah, we'll talk about that coming up. But but yeah, he. Um, yeah, I, I didn't realize that the um, announcement um, that he, he got that reaction from you know the, the draft. And, and yeah, it's it's kind of a weird one because yeah, the, the fact that it was nothing, the fact that it was just that people didn't know what to make of it. It wasn't like they were actively booing this guy or you know maybe that, that's it was a little bit of a different attitude with fans back then and, and probably. Obviously, Gonzaga not was well known um, as it is today as a uh, as a basketball school, but um, but yeah, that that's uh, that's sort of a strange one. And and you know, there really was never a time again where Stockton, you know, even had any kind of um, you know even thought about leaving. Really, I mean, even in '96, he said, you know, I'm not leaving Utah. You know, um, and he says he's staying there. He likes it there. Uh, he says if that turns around and bites me, that's that's the way it goes. He doesn't want to, you know, just wanted to wanted to stay there. Was happy there. Was was comfort there. And that, that's cool. I think. I mean, like I don't think team players should be obligated in any way to stay with the team that drafted them if they have other situations and want to go someplace else or you know or whatever. Um, but I do think it's cool when the situation works out for both the player and the team for them to be able to be there for their entire career. I mean, it is a relatively you know rare thing for it to you know happen. You know, more than fifteen plus years. There's only a handful of guys on this list who are able to you know spend that much time with the team, or e- even more so, spend you know their entire career with with uh, on one on one franchise. So that that means a lot. Yeah, it does, and it, it, it's it's cool too because we're gonna you know a lot of the names we're gonna talk about here. Obviously, for playing in the league as many years as they do, they're gonna be you know top top tier players. But these guys are the guys we're gonna talk about are almost iconic with those franchises. Dirk is synonymous with the Mavericks, and that's cool that you know there's that way. John Stockton is synonymous with the Jazz, and in a lot of ways, and we'll talk about a few other guys here a little bit who are just synonymous with these franchises for staying there so long. And yeah, you know I'm I'm all for players doing whatever they can to get the most money and maximize their value or whatever. But if a guy is totally cool with just saying, hey, you know what, I'll 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 sign there because this is comfortable for me. I like it here. 
everything's doing well and it doesn't as as you know Stockton says and this is 1996 he says well if it bites me in the ass you know what what it you know so what you know that's is what it is but then they go to you know two straight NBA finals so it's actually the opposite it ends up being his most successful a few years as well but I thought it was kind of funny too is that Stockton uh, did not have an agent as well he had David Falk initially who was obviously the, the super agent of the time uh, David Falk and Stockton just you know let him go and just kind of negotiate on his own from that on. I was like no nah, I don't need it it's fine it's cool you know like uh, you know it says in, in one quote you know it'd be kind of a joke for me to say yeah I'm gonna check my options I'm not to me that's lying for me to say I'd go play somewhere else would be a lie so I do it so it's kind of interesting there that he just never did it and also uh, 1996 uh, he agreed to a deal that made uh, salary cap space available so the team could improve and obviously they did improve uh, the next two seasons in exchange though hard negotiator John Stockton insisted insisted that Delta Center ice time be made for his son's hockey team though so you know really John Stockton swinging a big stick there you know you're yeah. gonna, you're gonna pay Driving me hard less, but gosh darn it you're gonna yeah. give ice time to my son's hockey team so yeah, he probably also said "Gosh darn it" too, which is the good part as well. He probably uh, did. He, he probably did. Yeah. <laughs> as far as Stockton, franchise leader in Sounds. games, three pointers, assists, steals, offensive win shares, and win shares per forty-eight for J- uh, for John Stockton on the Jazz. So we'll move on now to nineteen seasons as well. This is Tim Duncan, uh, San Antonio Spurs, of course. Uh, really hope he could have made it to twenty. That would have been pretty fun. He would have also got a record, but. Alas, it did not happen. Um, of course, with Tim Duncan, the famous thing is in 2000, he almost left. The quotes uh, from Tim Duncan is, is he said, you know, point blank, I came real close to leaving. You know, I came close to leaving real close. Uh, there, of course, was the a goal to form a super team in Orlando with Tim Duncan, Grant Hill, and Tracy McGrady. Uh, Coach Doc Rivers famously had a rule where significant others could not be on the planes. And that was the rumor deal breaker for Duncan and his family. So immediately after that, when Duncan kind of had cold feet about this situation, was then sort of thinking of his other options. Uh, David Robinson, who was vacationing in Hawaii, cut that short, met up with Greg Popovich. They go to the Virgin Islands and then they consider uh, or they convinced Tim Duncan, I should say, uh, to stay with the San Antonio Spurs. And that was probably a good pick because then, of course, he makes 19 seasons with the Spurs, uh, becomes the franchise leader in games, minutes played, field goals, uh, offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, blocks, points, offensive win shares, defensive win shares, win shares, value replacement player, basically everything. You know, Tim Duncan yeah. becomes the Spurs in a lot of ways. But yeah, it, this, it would have been a fascinating to see after three or four years, Tim Duncan just bouncing and going to Orlando. Like, it's just amazing to figure out or try to understand maybe what his. You know, what, what would the career of Tim Duncan be if he didn't have the sort of identity that he has with the Spurs and if he didn't have the success he had the Spurs? Obviously, he would have already won a title with them, but then going to Orlando and doing whatever it was there that those guys would do, uh, just fascinating to think of how different his career would be, you know, sort of perceived. Yeah, and how successful the Magic would have been with those three guys. I mean, obviously, Hill would have dealt with all his injuries, uh, but Duncan McGrady would still have been a great uh, pair together. But that there, yeah, so many what ifs on that, and whether you know he would have been able to. Obviously, he wouldn't have had twenty years, but he would have had you know, maybe like fifteen, sixteen years with the Magic, and that's still a pretty impressive. Um, you, you know, run, you know, wondering how much this they would have been able to have. And yeah, lots of things there. Probably turned out better the way that it uh, turned out. Obviously, you know, Duncan winning four championships uh, in addition to the first one that he'd won in 99 with the um, Spurs and, you know, all the great accomplishments that he um, had there. And, you know, again, basically, um, you know, Robinson was really the icon of the uh, team. I guess George Griffin before that, but uh, you immediately Duncan pretty much you know put his mark on that. Is I, I think definitely the first person people think of when they think of the Spurs. Yes, definitely not quite Leonard. <laughs> Maybe right now they think no, quite well, yeah, right, yes, yeah. <laughs> but later yeah. not so much. Uh, yeah. Move on now to uh, Reggie Miller and the Indiana Pacers, uh, of course. 
Uh, Reggie Miller does 18 seasons with the Pacers, but famously was courted by the Knicks in 1996. And there's some some interesting ideas about that courting, if it was Reggie Miller just kind of using the Knicks as leverage to get more money from the Pacers, if there was real interest in there. Uh, Miller's agent, who, I mean, of course, maybe not the most impartial <laughs> judge here, but Arntellum said that Reggie's interest in the Knicks is sincere. This is a quote from the time. This is Reggie's interest in the Knicks is sincere, and if the Knicks are sincere, there's a good chance we could work something out. I don't know what the Knicks will offer or what the Pistons will offer. We'll find out probably on Tuesday. And of course, as I mentioned, there's sort of that weird idea if there was going to be leverage. Is he just trying to get more money from Indiana? Uh, there was rumors at the time, if you read articles, that they were between two guys in the Knicks. They were between Allen Houston and Reggie Miller. Uh, they, of course, chose Allen Houston, which at the time makes I, I think makes pretty good sense. Allen Houston on the rise. And Allen Houston had some great years with the Knicks as well. Uh, and Reggie you know, was still solid and would still have quite a few more years uh, under his belt. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with the idea of choosing Allen Houston over uh, Reggie Miller. But yeah, where, where do you stand on the Reggie Miller to the Knicks thing in 1990? Was it a, a real thing? What would have what would that have been like either? That just feels icky. Yeah, I don't like that. that. I don't like no, it that is that's really really hard to imagine because you know I mean a lot of people feel that way about Durant going to Golden State you know from Oklahoma City because they were you know playoff rivals and so forth. But yeah, I mean it was a lot more personal with the Pacers and Knicks, uh, and obviously that was added to later on in the '90s as well. It wasn't it had already started, but it was you know far from concluding. You know they played four or five years in a row in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that I can see at the time picking Houston over Reggie because Houston was, was younger and, you know, had maybe looked like he might be more of a star. But I, I don't know. I, I mean, I would have uh, – I think Miller was the – he's obviously the better player at the time. And, you know, if, if you can get – if you can just you know, get a guy like that and get a guy who delivers in, like, big moments like that and um, – do that i you know yeah i, I think that would have uh yeah it, it's just you're right it, it is really weird to think about though it's really yeah, remarkably I don't like hard. i just like yeah. thinking of reggie but, and nick's jersey yeah. like high-fiving right spike lee it's but, just like no that's a nap at yeah. all like, but who would have known that reggie would still be you know pretty good in like oh four and oh five right know, like, yeah i would have never that, that long that, yeah. yeah you you would you think maybe he would have like four you know good years left but yeah he had like eight good years left so yeah. And of course, Reggie Miller, franchise leader in games, minutes played, field goals, three pointers, free throws, assists, steals, points, offensive win shares, defensive win shares, win shares altogether, valuable replacement player. So he's definitely pretty good. The th- he is not, though, the Pacers all time leader in win shares per 48. That is, as everybody would guess, Brad Miller, of course. Yes. <laughs> you know, Pacers legend. Brad it's gotta Miller. be Miller. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's, that I don't even, I, I was barely even going to mention that because you all know that at home. And Jason, I know you know that off the top of your head. Sure. That Brad Miller yeah. is the Indiana Pacers, you know, win shares per 48 leader. But uh, just thought I'd mention it for the few folks out there that don't remember that. So, yeah. Uh, move good. on now uh, to uh, one that's still present, sort of, kind of, Manu Ginobili with the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, he is entering his 16th season. Um, him, interestingly enough, in uh, 2016 offseason, the Sixers, a lot of people remember this as well, made a huge offer to Ginobili, who was 38 at the time. A big offer. Uh, they um, guaranteed him a two-year deal that would have been uh, the, with the first year between 16 and $17 million. He ended up taking a much reduced deal to stick with the Spurs, but it would have been fascinating to see Manu Ginobili with kind of the not quite up and coming. They were sort of kind of on the cusp of it a little bit with the, the Sixers. Like you could feel it was, it was on the way there with the Sixers. Obviously this would not be, you know, until next year when we really saw them emerge to the level that they did. But uh, yeah, fascinating to think of Manu Ginobili yucking it up with like the, the baby Sixers and Joel Embiid and all that sort of stuff. It seems, it just suddenly seems kind of interesting that, that he would do that but uh, what are your thoughts on on manu uh, almost going to the sixers yeah that would have been uh you that would have made them even i think more fun although they were 
you know, that would have been more fun if they if he had gotten there this year with that team because that team was was kind of enjoyable and obviously they're emerging and all of that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, it, it's going to be similar, and we'll probably deal with it a little bit with Tony Parker going to the Hornets. I mean, that's just going to feel yeah. like a completely like odd, strange thing. And I think Ginobili being on another franchise as well, it is going to just be um, that that one's going to be hard to to process a little bit. Yeah, so I, I think. Um, yeah, even though I like, there's part of me could imagine it actually being fun, especially with Ginobili being on the Sixers themselves, and you know, mi- mixing with those personalities and with that style and everything, and you know, uh, throwing great passes to um, to Embiid or you know Ben Simmons or whatever. But but yeah, it's uh, I, I think I have enough sentimentality that I, I'm, I'm happy to see him on the uh, Spurs. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, he's 16 years right now, as you said. He got drafted in 1999. Uh, did not come to the NBA until 2002. I don't think he's going to reach 20 years. <laughs> that would be no, uh, it's already think. looking kind of bleak there for old Manu. So yeah, I don't think he's got four more years. <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll see. I, I I don't think so though. Uh, move on now to John Havlicek for the Boston Celtics. Of course, this is 1962 to 1978, so 16 straight years with the Celtics. Uh, franchise leader in games, minutes played, field goals, and points. Uh, most of the counting stats, you know, you'll see John Havlicek up at near the leaderboards for for Celtics all time, but very few of the value and advanced stats. Uh, those are occupied by guys we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, what do you make of John Havlicek and where he sort of ranks um, with the Boston Celtics all time uh, in in terms of those games played, and, and obviously having the most of any uh, Celtic as well, most consecutive years or most overall years with the Celtics, I should say. Right. It's, it's interesting Havlicek because I think like. When he retired, he had a very vaulted place in Celtics and NBA history. I mean, there was that retirement tour that celebrate, you know, that celebrated his career. He had, had played more games than anybody in NBA history. He, I, I think, he was in the top five or definitely in the top ten in you know points scored and all that. And as you mentioned, yeah, it was more. A lot of it was accumulation more than efficiency. Although I think just the years that he kind of played and some of the strengths that he actually has, I, I think he's better than maybe some of that uh, says he is. But. Um, he's. I think he gets a little bit lost in the Boston Celtics shuffle. They have so many iconic players that um, you know, he he's you know he's behind Russell, he's behind Bird, um, and I and he's sort of sandwiched between those two. I mean, he's obviously part of that '60s era. Um, and he's right before that '80s era where he's sort of. Um, you know, maybe his best years were those '70s teams that were really great, but somehow get lost in the shuffle because of all the other great Celtics teams. So, I I, I think he's like, I think he should. If if he had played for just about any other franchise other than the maybe the Lakers and the um and the Celtics, I think he'd be the most important player in that team's history. But because he played for the Celtics and they have so many important players, and, be, and a little bit because of the time that he played, and also that he didn't have the most captivating personality and also that he didn't really stay with the game after he retired. All those things I think have made him less um, valued or appreciated or remembered than uh, maybe I think that he deserves. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned this guy a little bit earlier, Udonis Haslam, uh, 15 seasons right now with the Heat. Uh, went undrafted, so I don't know how we're going to clarify him there a little bit. But uh, yeah, Udonis Haslam, franchise leader in offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds, that's it. And I don't think he's probably going to collect anymore. Maybe all-time games and stuff you can you yeah. can sort of contend with, but he also has to get into these games for that account. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Udonis Haslam, what? It's hard to believe it's been 15 years of Udonis Haslam in the Heat, and he's he's seen so much too with that franchise. I mean, think about that. Like 2003 to now, I mean, that's like the end of the morning era, the Dwayne Wade and Shaq era. He sees the Big Three era. He sees the, of course, the James Johnson era. You know, like just like just the different things, and it's all the constant is Udonis Haslam. It's just uh, it's pretty amazing. 
It is, yeah. He's the first non-Hall of Famer on this on this list. Um, you know, really, you have to go down pretty far before you get to. Well, I guess there's one other one who's not a Hall of Famer that we'll get to. But yeah, it, it's interesting that we're that right now we have, we have two of those guys who are very much like just yeah for whatever reason they stuck around with those teams were part of those cultures even though you know they were good basketball players in their at their oh, peaks, sure. yeah, but yeah. they just more just have been around there and have just kind of st- stuck around there for you know rather than. Um, you know, before those two, everyone else who had played 15 more years with the team was you know, a bona fide Hall of Famer, you know, one of, the, one of the best players in their franchise's history. Yeah, and then, yeah, so we'll, there's a guy here in a little bit that we'll talk about for sure that definitely uh, definitely sticks out like a sore thumb. But this man does not. Dolph Shays uh, with the Syracuse Nationals, Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, he goes 15 years with that franchise. Of course, they move uh, along the way, but uh, still with the same franchise there. Drafted by the New York Knicks, though, which is interesting as well, in 1948, uh, opts to play for the Nationals in the NBL, and then, of course, the Nationals moved to the NBL uh, or moved to the NBA um, in uh, 1949. So different stuff there. Uh, franchise yeah, merger, yeah, yeah. And uh, Dolph Shays, franchise leader in free throws, total rebounds, offensive win shares, defensive win shares, and win shares. So I ask, does that surprise you a little bit? Given that the Syracuse Nationals, the 76ers, have a really storied franchise history. I mean, a lot of really great players. We're going to mention them quite a few times, including the next guy we're going to talk about. Does it surprise you that Dolph Shays would be so high on that list for some of those? Um, I mean. Only because I've looked into it a little bit and, and, and know a, b- a bit of history. I mean, I think the thing with the uh, the Sixers' best players is that they didn't necessarily have a lot of longevity with the uh, franchise. I mean, Iverson obviously you know moved on after you know nine or ten years. Uh, you know, Irving you know his first uh, five years were in the ABA, so he he had you know uh, eleven or so years with them. Uh, you know, Wilt only had a relatively short stint with the uh, with the Sixers. So you know, yeah, they've had a lot of great players during the time. Moses Malone, he was there four or five years. So, uh, but most of their you know, truly great best players, um, you know, don't quite have the longevity with the franchise that you know Shays and Greer have. Yeah, and that's that brings us right to our next one. It's Hal Greer there with uh, 15 years as well with the Syracuse Nationals, Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, he's the franchise leader in games, minutes played, field goals, and points. So he kind of fills out some of those other ones that Dolph Shays doesn't have. And I think again speaks to your point that yeah, these guys might not always come you know one and two when you mention the best players in, in that franchise's history, but they were there for so long that some of these stats, particularly uh, accumulating win shares, accumulating games, minutes played, field goals, points, and that sort of stuff, will go to them a little bit more than it would a guy like a Will, to a guy like an Allen Iverson, even a guy like a, a Julius Irving, who we're going to talk about in a bit. But uh, yeah, so Hal Greer, of course, leads in those ones there. And uh, definitely, yeah, very similar to, to Dolph Shays in that sense, where he plays 15 years uh, with the franchise, establishes a, a long career and a long tenor with that franchise. But uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty interesting to see Hal Greer uh, up towards the top of this list as well. Yeah, and Greer, you know, he's a guy who has, uh, you know, half a dozen or so, you know, second team all NBA players. I mean, he was yeah, absolutely Hall of Famer, absolutely, you know, great in his day. And Shays was, you know, was. One of the better, you know, probably top five player during, uh, you know, most of his career. I mean, he was definitely a guy who, you know, if you if you think about the contributions to the franchise and the longevity, if you add up all the case for him over, you know, even some of the other great players the Sixers have had, I, you know, I think you could you could make a case that he's one or two in terms of you know best most important player uh, in the franchise history. Of course, you know how we like to, uh, to discuss it given you know the context of their times versus you know how they would fare now or whatever. It's, like that and now we move on to the next guy who as you mentioned a little bit earlier 
kind of in the Udonis Haslam, but I think less, like, <laughs> maybe less of a contributor than Udonis Haslam, even Nick Collison from the Seattle Supersonics slash Oklahoma City Thunder. Yes, he started with the Supersonics and is still hanging around here. Uh, drafted by, uh, in 2003, he missed the entire season, though, his, his rookie season then came uh, into the league. But uh, he was 14 years with that franchise. I believe he finally now has ended that. I think the Nick Collison experience is over. We'll see uh, if he ends up getting re-signed or whatnot. But he leads the franchise in absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think Collison did officially retire, and I, I believe there's uh, Haslam is negotiating for a return. So uh, Haslam will continue, but but Collison will uh, will be no longer. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, I, I think he and uh, Durant are the only. I, I think it might be Collison, Durant, and um, um, I, I think he may be retired now. But um, Gerald Wilkins, I believe those are the three remaining players who played for the Sonics in the NBA if I'm uh, not mistaken oh yeah I think that is true yeah and we lose Collison now yeah I think I think you're right we did talk about that on, on an episode about a year or so ago which which stinks we need to keep the Sonics alive but Durant will we'll actually sure. keep it on for for quite a while but um right and we always have him yeah now that Collison has dropped out but yeah we did talk about that I want to clarify if that is the exact number but I believe that is true so yeah yeah Damien uh, Wilkins. I, said, I think it's a Joe Wilkins, but I'm Damien Wilkins. <laughs> well, so. I like the idea of Gerald Wilkins still playing in the yeah. NBA. It's like, hey, he might be 60, but he might be like 58 years old, but gosh yeah. darn it, Gerald gives you a good effort every single time out there. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I like the idea of Gerald Wilkins. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. Uh, move on now, 14 years as well uh, for Elgin Baylor with the Minneapolis and Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, he is the franchise leader in total rebounds and points per game. Not a ton for Elgin Baylor. But, uh, yeah, pretty interesting there for 14 years for the Lakers. He is our highest-ranking Lakers so far. Uh, We'll talk about another one here right after Elgin. But, uh, yeah, Elgin Baylor with uh, 14 years uh, with the franchise. uh, Actually, tied. We'll we'll move on to the next guy. I think it's pretty relevant to do that as well. Uh, With Jerry West, who also has 14 years with the Lakers. Uh, Their timeline just about matches up. There's a few years here and there where they don't quite match up. But uh, this, I thought, was more fascinating, even more so than Elgin. I'll, I'll let you chime in on Elgin if you want. But I thought this one I was really caught me by surprise. Jerry West. 14 years with the Lakers, tied for the most overall with that franchise, only leads the franchise in offensive win shares. That is it. Does it feel like he should have more? Yeah. Does it feel like he should be more significant? Like Because he feels very significant with the Lakers, but that's it. Offensive win shares is all it has. Does that say more about the Lakers franchise, or what does it say about Jerry West? I don't know. I just found that kind of perplexing. Yeah, I think it, I think it says more about the um, Lakers, because you know, obviously Kareem was there 15 years, and he has it, most of the offensive records, I would imagine. I mean, well, uh, Kobe's passed, of course, a lot of them, um, but Kareem had them for a long time. You know, you have Magic for assists. Um, I, I think it's just, again, it's, it's all the great players that were there. And, and West, unlike, um, uh, you know, somebody like... Um, Somebody like Havlicek, I don't think he gets lost in the shuffle as much. I mean, I think he's kind of appreciated for, you know, being the great player that he was at the time. You know, winning the finals MVP, I think, was helpful. And I, I think even more helpful is just staying around in the game and his success as an executive has kept his uh, memory as a player alive. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I, it slightly surprises me, I guess. But you know, when you think about who's been there, then it's not terribly surprising. Move on to uh, number another fourteen year uh, career as well. Joe Dumars, the Detroit Pistons, nineteen eighty five to nineteen ninety nine. I always forget he was hanging around until nineteen ninety nine for Joe Dumars. But uh, franchise leader in games, three pointers, and offensive win shares. He seems like he lasted even longer because he also just kind of moved very easily into the kind of the GM and the in the front office role. But uh, yeah, fourteen years for Joe Dumars leads in games, three pointers, and offensive win shares, and probably will lead in those for quite a while because Detroit seems to have trouble keeping any sort of <laughs> semblance of anything going in that franchise. Sure. But uh, yeah, Joe Dumars. 14 years 
Uh, any thoughts on Joe Dumars and his tenure with the Pistons? Yeah, I mean, he's one where like he was a really important player in franchise history, but he doesn't seem like he's the iconic player in franchise history. I mean, I guess it's Isaiah is the guy who I first think of when I think of the you know, absolutely the you know the dynamic you know most important player on this team. Although I think that might say more about Dumars just kind of personality wise because you know, his on court value was incredible. Um, you know, maybe not quite what Isaiah's was, but it was it was up there as well. It was obviously he's a Hall of Famer, so um, you you can definitely make the case of in terms of impact, in terms of everything that he might be the most important player in French's history. But for me, like he he doesn't you know like when you think of him, it's like eh, okay maybe, but it's not like undisputed like some of the other guys who are kind of on this list. Uh, David Robinson, our last of the 14s. David Robinson with the San Antonio Spurs, of course. Uh, he's a little bit interesting case, too, because you, you could maybe have added a few more years there. Gets drafted in 1984, but of course can't uh, enter the NBA until 1989 because of his commitments to the Navy. Uh, but still gets 14 years there with Spurs. Franchise leader in free throws, PR, win shares per 48, and box plus minus. So a lot of the advanced stats kind of lean towards David Robinson, where a lot of the, obviously, counting stats uh, go towards the Tim Duncan, which, of course, you know, when he has six more years under his belt, um, or, or, or sorry, uh, five more years under his belt, you're obviously going to get that a little bit more with, with Duncan, but uh, Robinson still uh, makes his mark, and as we said earlier, and uh, you said earlier, uh, David Robinson really was the Spurs, and he felt like the face of the franchise until Tim Duncan came in there and kind of knocked the doors down and, and got them to even more success than they could maybe even ever imagine, but still, David Robinson uh, does create, an, and he's still in some ways an ambassador for the Spurs as well, so I think he's definitely established himself, still as a part of that, even if he's not maybe the highest ranking one, we have Manu and uh, uh, Duncan over Robinson, but I think Robinson still holds a little bit of a cachet as well, because he was the, the first guy of the, sort of the modern NBA era to get them to that next level, and a guy that, that people still remember a lot, and, and remember him for being synonymous with the Spurs. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely second to Duncan, but there's nothing wrong with that, he's still a remarkable career, and... Um and absolutely, you know, had a, as I was about, you know, he's the more, you know, more kind of personable one, you know, where Duncan's kind of more withdrawn, where Robinson's more out there and, you know, being the ambassador for the team and for the league. So I think he stands out because of of that as well. Uh, Bill Russell, it's kind of interesting to see him here uh, a little bit later because, of course, he did not have that long of a career. 13 years with the Celtics, uh, drafted by the St. Louis Hawks in 1956, of course, immediately traded them. We've talked about that trade many, many times. Uh, decent trade at the time for <laughs> both teams. It worked out a little bit better for one team, but at the time, it, it justifiable trade. But, uh, yeah, 13 years for Bill Russell on the Celtics. Uh, he leads the franchise in total rebounds, minutes per game, uh, rebounds per game, defensive win shares, and win shares. I mean, we've talked about Russell a lot. I don't know if there's anything more I have to talk about Bill Russell, but if you have anything, feel free. But if not, I'll move on to our next guy. Uh, yeah, I think we've said enough about Bill Russell on this uh, podcast that I'll. Uh, uh, Bill Russell was great. Yes. There you go. WrestleMania. So, Listen to our WrestleMania listen, series. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, so we have Bob Cousy listed here, but I, but Bob Cousy played seven games for the Royals, so I feel like he should not. Yeah, actually okay, I was wondering, should we this, take? Uh, I, I wanted to like ignore that he played for the Royals, but I guess we should. Uh, you know, because it was kind of a sham. Well, but I guess I yeah. guess we should take Bob Cousy out. You're right. Right. Yeah. Regardless, it, it counts. So yeah. I feel you're like, right. Uh, you're right. You're right. It counts. Yeah. So Bob Cousy, yeah. you're gone. See you later, buddy. Yeah. Now we bye, move on bye, to bye, Satch Sanders, who uh, yes. was played for the Celtics for 13 years from 1960 to 1973 and leads the franchise in absolutely nothing because he was Satch no. Sanders, who had a good career. Yeah. But obviously he's Satch Sanders. He's not going to be yeah. leading the team in anything because 
Right, which is fine. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah perfect for what he did. He was a great defensive forward. He, um, you know, really great guy from all accounts, and um, it was important to the team. But yeah, it was he he was more along the lines of I think he was more Im- impactful on the court, but he was more along the lines of your Nick Collisons and your Dennis Haslam's. Like he was he was there. He was important. He was great in his role. But yeah, he was n- not a star. Although he, people say at, when he played, he had the talent that he could have been a star. But you know, he just fit into all the Celtics right, and. Right. And, and, and fit in that role, they didn't need him to be that way, and that just worked out that way. So, All right, so we're going to kind of go a little bit quicker for some of these other guys as well so we can get to uh, some of the interesting stories of these. But uh, Wes Unseld, uh, obviously with the Bullets franchise for 13 years. Uh, Calvin Murphy with the, uh, the Houston Rockets, the San Diego slash Houston Rockets uh, for 13 years as well. Fred Brown with the Seattle Supersonics uh, for 13 years. Alvin, Adam, Alvin Adams with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, for 13 years. I want to bring him up real quick because he is the franchise leader in games, minutes played, offensive rebounds, total rebounds, steals, and defensive win shares. And I wonder, you know, Alvin Adams is a guy that maybe I don't appreciate quite as much, but I think, does it reflect poorly on Phoenix that he's as high in those, or is that more of a credit to Alvin Adams? So I'm not trying to demean Alvin Adams at all. I just think it's kind of surprising. I did not expect him to be so high on all those leaderboards for Phoenix. Because Phoenix has had great players as well, but maybe just guys who haven't hung around uh, for nearly that much. So does him being at the top of those lists more reflect on Phoenix, or does it reflect on him, you think? Yeah, I I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I I think Adams was was really, really good, excellent player. Um, But I I think it's partly because Phoenix just, yeah, some of their great players did not have the, you know, had like, six to eight ten year runs as opposed to 13 year runs i mean you know nash or um charles barkley or, or guys like that you know even paul westfall you know didn't have the super longest run for that uh team you know even kevin johnson was i think nine nine ten years or so so um I, yeah i think it's just kind of more circumstance than anything but you mean at Adam's another guy who's definitely uh, really fun to watch, really great, uh, you know, kind of all do everything type player, you know, good passing big man, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, he's he's a we talked about him a little bit before uh, here and there, but he's he's a fun guy to watch for sure. Yeah, he's a guy that I'm definitely after after doing this episode and after doing some research, I want to check out a little bit more of just because I, I guess I did not realize how, you know important he was that that franchise so definitely gonna check him out a little bit more i'll move on to the next guy 13 years for larry bird now larry bird of course i have to tell you about his Celtics career you know about that but i think the fun thing about larry bird is that the long rumored trade to indiana in 1988 and this has been i think corroborated by red auerbach and he has mentioned it many times before as well i don't know if they were ever actually going to do this deal or whatnot i it's very weird but uh in 1988 the indiana pacers offered chuck person herb williams and steve stepanovich for larry bird so what that would have just been really weird to have Larry Bird on the '88, you know, Indiana Pacers, and it's a weird trade too because Chuck Person or Williams and Steve Sabanovich. I mean, guys that were were solid, and Chuck Person obviously have a pretty solid career. Uh, but yeah, you wonder, you know, what would have happened because Bird still had some solid years in him uh, in Indiana. Would have been fascinating to see that team sort of maybe emerge uh, in the final few years of Bird. Yeah, that would have really been interesting. Um, it's hard to even imagine it because, um, yeah, you're, the Celtics were a still a very competitive, very good team mm-hmm. from '89, you know, on, but they were no longer championship contenders, so it wouldn't have necessarily like shifted like you know anything, you know, who went to the finals or, or what have you. I mean, I I don't I I kind of doubt that Bird would have been enough. I don't think the Pacers were really set to, uh, you know, go over the top or anything. I mean, I guess Bird and Reggie being on the same team would have been it's just sort of an interesting thought exercise. But, you know, I, I don't think they had enough to really be, you know, a deep playoff team with Bird. Bird probably would have been, you know, better off with the Celtics in terms of you yeah. know, staying competitive. But, um, but yeah, I mean, in, in one, one sense, it wouldn't have changed a lot. In one sense, it would have changed everything. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, next guy, Magic Johnson, uh, also 13 years, so exactly the same amount as Magic John- as, as Larry Bird. Of course, we're adding that 1986 season as well where he comes back out of retirement, so that definitely helps Magic. Uh, as far as him, of course, he's synonymous with the Lakers now and forever, uh, but there was a time, and we have an entire episode about this as well, so we definitely recommend you check this out. I believe it is just called When Magic Johnson Requested a Trade. Uh, and yeah, Magic Johnson Requested a Trade. Wanted to get out of L.A., was sick of uh, a lot of the stuff going on there. We go into details uh, on that episode, so definitely want to check that out if you get a chance. But yeah, almost uh, almost moved on and almost went somewhere else, which just seems weird because he's just so synonymous with that franchise now. But yeah, there's a real possibility that a few years into his career, he's out and he's on another team and with another franchise. Yeah, and that's just that's a weird thing to think about for sure. All right, so we have Kevin McHale. Uh, he had 13 years as well with the Boston Celtics. Uh, real quickly, he was also the same year that that Bird deal was floated around. Apparently, Red was trying to get uh, Kevin McHale to Dallas. The rumored deal was... Uh, Kevin McHale going to the Dallas Mavericks for Detlef Schrempf and Sam Perkins, which is a hell of a haul. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, those are two guys that, that would end up having, I mean, maybe not, you know, obviously for the Mavericks, but end up having some pretty prolonged careers. Uh, and those guys would, you know, sort of pop up again on the Pacers many, many years later. But uh, yeah, Kevin McHale uh, going to the Dallas Mavericks just seems weird and icky in 1988. And he was, you know, really kind of at the end of his rope for, for the most part at that time. But still, it would have been fascinating to see that more than anything, just to see Detlef Schrempf and Sam Perkins on the Celtics, because that would have been really cool. That would have maybe, you know, had they kept Bird and acquired those two guys. That almost would have worked. Like, so if there was any of those two deals, like I almost would take that one. And, and obviously, Kevin McHale played an important role. But I mean, you had Bird and what was left of Bird to Acora when you had Detlef Schrempf and Sam Perkins and those sort of guys. That would have been really fun to see. But uh, alas, it did not happen. Yeah, McHale has a lot of injuries toward the end too. I mean, he was he was hobbled by that you know, after the uh, the broken ankle in '87 and playing on that. So yeah, that 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 one I could see shifting the. Um, Celtics up a little bit, you know, whether they could have actually beaten the Pistons or the, especially the Bulls, that's an interesting question. But yeah, that, that I I can see maybe shifting some, you know, competitive, uh, shifting some series and, you know, making the Celtics more competitive deeper into the playoffs. Definitely. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, Detroit Pistons, 13 years there. Uh, of course, we could not go this episode without talking about Jeff Foster, Indiana Pacers legend. As well, you know, there's Brad Miller, who we mentioned earlier. There's also Jeff Foster, Indiana Pacers legend. 13 years for Jeff Foster in Indiana. He's the franchise leader in uh, offensive rebound percentage and also being an annoying dickhead. He uh, definitely <laughs> led the league many, many years in being an annoying dickhead, Jeff Foster. But, uh, yeah, yeah that Jeff Foster, 13 years in Indiana, I... You, I could, you could have put a gun to my head and asked me how many years did Jeff Foster play in Indiana and I would have never got anywhere near 13 I would have said like 6 I yeah. cannot believe he was there from 1999 until 2012 think of all that right. Jeff Foster saw all the different eras of Indiana Pacers basketball that Jeff Foster right. lived through it's just yeah I mean there's the Reggie Miller era there's yeah, he the, made the finals era. the second year then he has you yeah. know, the Malice in the Palace he's got the right. emerging of Jermaine O'Neal he has the the, the Danny Jamal, Granger era yeah the Danny Granger era, and then like the Roy Hibbert Paul George era like Right, My God. Yeah. And all the constant yeah. and all of it is Jeff Foster yeah. for some reason. <laughs> there you go. I, I would never have expected this talking about <laughs> Jeff Foster that's... here so much, but yeah. It's uh, uh yeah. God, there was that team where it was him and Hansbro and oh god, I hated that team so oh, much. Yeah. You know the team. Mike Dunleavy was in that team, <laughs> oh, right? My god, yeah. yeah, when Mike Dunleavy is like your fourth most annoying guy in your team, you've really yeah. like you've really assembled quite the unit there, but uh, that was the uh the Indiana Pacers, but uh, oh, run through these other guys here a little bit. Sam Jones for the Boston Celtics, he has 12 years. Michael Cooper, 12 years. Neither of these guys are franchise leaders in any respect. For the most part, we're going to kind of get, we're kind of done with a lot of the franchise leaders. Well, there's some other guys that will pop up, but we're starting to just kind of get guys uh, that hung around for a while. Good players, of course. We're talking about, you know, Michael Cooper and a James Worthy and a Sam Jones, guys that were decent role players, but just not, you know, franchise bests in, in, in any ways. Uh, Nate McMillan with the Seattle Supersonics for 12 years. 
as well. Rick Smith's 12 years on the Indiana Pacers. Uh, we mentioned this guy as well. Active player Mike Conley, 11 years on the Memphis Grizzlies. And given the money that he's getting paid, I don't think he has any reason uh, to leave right away. But I cannot imagine that Michael Conley gets to like 20 years of the Grizzlies. But who knows? Maybe. That's <laughs> uh, hard to imagine. 15 seems like, yeah, it seems kind of reasonable. But yeah, 20 years, I mean, that's that's... Obviously, only a handful of guys have gone to that stage. Yeah, so and his body's um, already. I mean, you're already starting to see a lot of injuries from him too. So it's like that's the other part too. Right. Is like you have to last this long. You have to last with your franchise. Your franchise needs to want you, and you also have to just be healthy enough to play as well, which is just not easy to do for a lot of guys. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Bob Pettit, uh, we uh, Milwaukee and St. Louis Hawks, of course, eleven years there ends his career uh, pretty early, still in, kind of arguably in the peak of his career, but uh, ends there with eleven. Jack Twyman with the uh, Rochester Cincinnati Royals for eleven years. L. Adels, eleven years with the uh, San Francisco Philadelphia Warriors. Uh, Rudy Tomjanovich, uh, eleven years with the San Diego Houston Rockets, uh, and then Julius Irving, which is pretty interesting as well. So he, uh, of course, does eleven years with the Philadelphia the Seventy Sixers. There's a bunch of weird stuff there where, of course, he was drafted by the Bucks and he went to the ABA. So whatever you want to call, it. but as far as with one NBA franchise. We're just counting the NBA, not the merger. He's 11 years there. But what was interesting is I did find this as well. Uh, June 21st, 1984, there was a blockbuster deal uh, rumor that would have brought Julius Irving to the Clippers. It fell through uh, when he uh, denied the trade. He refused to leave uh, Philadelphia. Uh, Reporters say that, you you know, it's kind of an interesting thing because, you know, the report is that the 76ers said that Irving could turn the deal down, but then uh, general manager Pat Williams of the, the Philadelphia said there was you know no way we were going to trade him. So just kind of interesting how it was going to be, but the deal, according to the San Diego Union uh, and the San Diego Tribune, would have sent Irving, uh, the 76ers' first-round draft po- choice, which is Leon Wood, and future considerations to the Clippers in exchange for Terry Cummings and $1.5 million. So... I don't know. That's uh, I don't know if in 1984 that'd be a good haul for Julius. But again, like he didn't. I guess that was kind of the end of his peak, peak. You know, because he'd be out by 1984. But yeah, uh, interesting there to see. Uh Julius Irving was a Clipper. That would have been very, very depressing. <laughs> I would have not liked that. At yeah, all. no, that that would have karmically that would not have no. been good. That would just would have been bad for everybody. So I'm glad it didn't happen. Um, yeah, basketball wise, I mean the Sixers were still good for a couple more years, <laughs> and you know '86 they were actually really good. Just the Celtics were, were better. So. Um, yeah, I don't know how much that would have changed in terms of uh, of history, but just in terms of yeah, we don't want to we don't want to have to be that's icky. No, I don't want Donald Sterling good. ruining no. anything about Julius Irving. No, so even no, even no, though no, this no. was Dad Julius Irving at this point, still right. You know, yeah, no, <laughs> still no, we, don't, we don't need that. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. We don't. We do not need that. So, right. uh, Mark Eaton, eleven years with Utah Jazz. Vern Mickelson, uh, ten years with the Minneapolis Lakers. Paul Arizon, ten years with the Golden State Warriors. Al Bianchi, uh, ten years with the Syracuse Nationals, Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. Cliff Hagan, ten years with the St. Louis Hawks. Uh, Willis Reed, uh, only ten years with the New York Knicks. Of course, injuries kind of caught up to him a little bit. There, Bill Bradley, ten years with the New York Knicks. Unfortunately, Tom Borwinkle had ten years with the Chicago Bulls. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, that was, nobody He's wants. He's a good passing, but Ben. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. Alan Lavelle, uh, <laughs> 10 years with the Houston Rockets. Uh, Joe Griffith, uh, 10 years with the Utah Jazz. Bobby Wanzer, uh, 10 years with the Rochester Royals. Uh, Dan Issel, 10 years with the Denver Nuggets. Russell Westbrook, I think this is interesting too, our last two guys, uh, still active players. Russell Westbrook uh, entering his 10th year with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, and then 10 years for Marcus Saul in Memphis. I don't think yeah. the Marcus Saul thing is going to last all that much. I don't know about the Westbrook thing. He uh, right. he might be a guy that just becomes like a franchise legend where he just kind of hangs around forever. It'll be uh, interesting to see how that ends up playing out. Yeah, and actually, I believe those guys are both entering their 11th year. Oh, sorry, so, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I believe Conley's entering his 12th year. So uh, worth, worth noting slightly. Yeah, so getting a little bit closer there. 
All right, and now we're going to get uh, quickly into notable tenures with one team, even though they didn't play with a franchise. So notable tenures, this is players that had a long career with with a team, but then didn't play their entire career with that franchise. So they ruined it by getting traded or, you know, or, or looking for better opportunities, those selfish, selfish people. But uh, we'll run through these guys qu- pretty quickly because we don't necessarily need to break down all the stuff about that. But uh, you have Dominique Wilkins. Uh, he spent 12 years in Atlanta before being traded to the Clippers. Then, of course, he would uh, bounce around after that. He would go to the Celtics, the uh, Spurs. The Magic and a bunch of other places that we don't need to remember because yeah, Dominic Wilkins is an Atlanta Hawk. That's all we'll ever remember. Right. Sure. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. The Clippers, unfortunately, yeah, they, they were not able to ruin Julius Serving, but they were able to. Ruin <laughs> they did Wilkins, take Dominic so. from us. So. That's very sad. They did. Yes. Blood sucking leeches there. Uh, Robert yeah. Parrish, uh, 14 years with the Celtics, but of course started with the Golden State Warriors and then would move on to the Bulls and the Hornets and a few other teams as well. No, that was it, right? Just the Bulls and the Hornets? Yep. This is four. Yep. Yep. This is four. Uh, Paul Pierce, 15 years with the Celtics. Ah, uh, could have been, but then he gets traded uh, for Kevin Garnett and a bunch of other guys and all that sort of stuff. The Boston Celtics trade to the uh, Brooklyn Nets, which we're still <laughs> dealing with today. But then, of course, he goes to the Wizards. He goes to the Clippers uh, as he rounds out his career. So 15 years with the Celtics, so pretty good, but uh, not quite there. Uh, I don't know how we count Michael yeah. Jordan. 13 years with the Bulls, kind of. I don't know how we leave when a guy leaves and comes back. I mean, he didn't play for another NBA franchise, yeah. so I guess we should count right. the other years. Right. But, you know, either way, 13 years with the Bulls. Yeah, when we did it for um, Magic when he came back. Yeah. So I feel like that's fair to, to do it for Jordan. Yeah, yeah. and then apparently yeah. I, I was looking at Basketball Reference, and they say that Michael Jordan played for the Wizards, but I don't um, I don't remember that. So I'm just going to act that that didn't happen. So. Uh, yeah, the, I, the, the, the wizard. He didn't play the for the Washington, Washington Wizards. Wizards. Yeah, like, they, I didn't Washington know they had Wizards. a team. Yeah, no, they, there's no way that Michael yeah. Jordan was played for the Washington Wizards. So we'll just move on. Yeah, there. Washington Bullets, maybe. Yeah, but, maybe, maybe. I, I don't. Maybe. No, I, I mean, he played for the Bulls, not the Bullets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's maybe where that's you get mixed confusion. up. Yeah, yeah. there's no way right. he played for the Wizards. Yeah. So I don't know. Basketball reference. I'll, I'll, I'll add them and let them know that they made some great mistake by putting Michael Jordan in some weird. Like he retired and then came back like three years later to play for the Wizards. Come on, get out here. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, some people try to tell me that there was a franchise called the Bobcats. I right? Mean, yeah, I, it's ridiculous. I don't. I mean, that, yeah, that site's got a lot of errors. Right, it's, it's, there's you know they yeah. they run they run hockey reference and football reference and college football. I mean things get crossed. They get Wires mixed get up. Crossed. Yeah, yeah, sure. Things happen. It's, I, I get it. It's yeah, understandable. It's okay. Yeah, Bobcats. Yeah, yeah. come on. <laughs> Yeah, but I know. Who <laughs> would name their team the Bobcats? I mean, it's seriously. So dumb, yeah. What's the most ridiculous thing you could ever possibly imagine? <laughs> uh, Brad Davis, he has 12 years with the Mavericks. Uh, he was interesting, though, because he um, was drafted by the Lakers um, and then went to the Pacers, the Jazz, and a few other teams before before kind of settling with the Mavericks and having a really good career. And then he stuck with the, the Mavericks, of course, for the last you know 12 years of his career. But, yeah, bounced around a little bit before that. Uh, Alex English has 11 years on the Nuggets. Uh, Bill Lambeer, 13 years with Detroit. Kind of interesting here because you – I don't know if I'd necessarily 100% remember this, but he was on the Cavaliers for a while, too. Uh, traded in 1982 yeah. from the Cavaliers to the Detroit business. I feel like a lot of people probably don't know that. they He's so synonymous with Detroit that it's hard to believe that he was a Cavalier. He, he, he certainly was a Cavalier, <laughs> yes. Yeah, very early in his career. Yeah, they, they traded. It was just a year or two after he was drafted. So, um, yeah, it was a, one of uh, many uh, dumb moves by the Cavs in the early <laughs> 80s. Yeah. Not the best run team. No, yeah. definitely, definitely no. not. Yeah, when you have a rule named after your incompetent general manager, it's, it's pretty right. Things are going to work. Incompetent owner, incompetent and racist owner. Yes, right? yes, so, that too. Yes, yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, Hakeem Olajuwon uh, apparently also basketball reference made an error and said that he played with the Raptors, but I also do not believe that. But uh, yeah, of course, uh, seventeen years with the Rockets would have been high on that list uh, we mentioned before, but then has his one year with the Raptors. So, wow, yes. wow. Uh, Chris Mullen, uh, 12 years to start his career with Golden State. Uh, then he would have one more at the end of his career for 13 total, but of course had a stop in Indiana along the way as well. 
Um, Derek Fisher, I, I, this is kind of weird, too, because he had 13 overall seasons with the Lakers, but in two different tenures, so I don't know how we classify that. I guess we can classify it the same way we classify all those, you know, in terms of how Mullen, how we classify him. But, you know, Derek Fisher obviously has 13 overall seasons with the Lakers, but moves it up with a few different, you know, he's with the Jazz for a few years, yeah. with the, the, the Mavericks and, Warriors. and, and yeah. the Warriors, yeah, and all those. Um, yeah, he really bounced around toward the end there, yeah, so... Um, yeah, I I would not have expected that it would have added up to thirteen years. That's yeah, it seems like a lot. Yeah, to have. yeah, yeah, right. it definitely does yeah. seem like a lot for 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 Derek Fisher. So I was caught, I was kind of caught by surprise by that as well. It doesn't quite seem that. Uh, yeah, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, of course, has fourteen seasons in LA, his longest tenure, but of course, is also a Milwaukee Buck. You have heard of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We don't have to talk about it anymore about him. Yeah. I don't think no. so. Um, yeah. Good, good player, Kareem. Uh, Dwayne Wade, very good. Yeah, uh, thirteen consecutive years in Miami. Uh, added one more last year, and then had some unfortunate runs in Chicago and Cleveland. So that, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're just. I, last I'm going to forget right? that he. Yeah, I. Yeah, I think <laughs> at some point in the future, I'm going to forget that he was a Cavalier and be like, oh yeah, he played for the Cavs. That's right. Yeah, that's going to happen. Like in five years, yeah. Like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The, the five ten year, yeah. like the retrospective of. If Dwayne Wade played for the Cavs. You won't believe it. You know, yeah. you won't. It'll right. blow your mind that a Dwayne Wade with hair played with for the Cavaliers. It's just like impossible yeah. to. Well, we'll probably make the joke about how it didn't really happen. Right. Exactly. Time. In ten yeah. years, well, when we're right. mercifully for some godforsaken reason still doing this podcast, even though we're making millions from it at that point, so it's obviously why <laughs> right. we're doing it. Uh, but yeah, we'll be talking and making that exact same joke. So mark it on your calendars, folks. Sure. In 2028, yeah. mark it on your calendars. We will be making that joke at this time uh, in ten years. But uh, yeah. Kevin Garnett, 12 years with the uh, Timberwolves, came back for a year and a half, uh, the last two of years of his career, but of course goes to the Celtics and uh, the Brooklyn Nets as well. So doesn't all go with the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Patrick Ewing, 15 years with the Knicks, uh, and then of course he uh, played for the Sonics and the Magic, but there's no evidence of that, so we're just not going to believe that that happened either. So yeah, the uh, particularly sure. the Magic years, I'd like to just forget. Well, no, because he played in the, like, ah, those, yeah, they had like those horrendous red uniforms at the time, the Supersonics. Ugh. Oh yeah, I hated seeing just yeah. like really depressed, <laughs> fat Patrick Ewing just sitting there with the red unis of the Seattle SuperSonics, just lame. But 15 years for him uh, in Knicks blue, but then he of course bounces around a few places. Mo Cheeks, 11 years with yeah. Philly. Um, eventually, in 1989, he is traded uh, to uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Goes to the Spurs, then goes to the Knicks, then from the Knicks to the Hawks, and then also plays with the Nets as well. So he kind of rounds out his career, kind of bouncing around, but has that 11 solid years in Philly to start off his career. Uh, for him, Clyde Drexler, 12 years in Portland, of course, before he goes to Houston and rounds out his career. Uh, Jerome Kersey, 11 years with Portland before becoming a journeyman. Uh, and a real big journeyman, too. Like, goes to the Raptors in the expansion draft, then the Warriors, then the Lakers, then the Sonics, then the Spurs, then the Bucks, and just a lot of places for unfortunate um, uh, Jerome Kersey. Uh, Sam Lacey, I believe this is the first time I, th- I think we've ever mentioned Sam Lacey on the show. Maybe you can remember a time that we did as well. But 12 seasons with the Kings franchise. Uh, interestingly enough, in three different spots. He starts out in Cincinnati, of course, follows them to Kansas City, Omaha, and then just Kansas City proper. Uh, and then missed Sacramento by about four or so seasons. So if he had just hung around for four more seasons with that franchise, he would have been in Cincy, Kansas City, Omaha, Kansas City proper, and Sacramento, which would have been quite the accomplishment for Sam Lacey. But unfortunately... Four years off yeah. for him. So. He'll have to just accept being one of the best players in front of <laughs> Right, so. which is, you know, when you're in, like, Jason Thompson territory with that damn franchise. <laughs> oh, well, they have all those 50s and Oscar yeah, I know, they do have Oscar yeah, so, you're, right, you're right, yeah. you're right. You should give so, them the, the yeah. credit. But they also have Jason Thompson. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've mentioned Sam Lacey before. But, we, but, we, okay, uh, good. I'm glad. For the record, yes, we have, we have mentioned him. Uh, not, 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 maybe we could mention him more. We probably need to, we probably need to delve in a little bit more. He's an interesting player. Another good passing big man. 
Uh, Tony Parker, 17 is worth the Spurs. I really just hope that like something goes wrong and he just never plays with the Hornets because I just oh, I saw that. Wow. No, I don't. Not, nothing wrong for him. I just maybe the Hornets are just like you know what, sir. Here, take 20 million dollars and, and go know, yeah. sit on a beach and drink wine. Like that's much more enjoyable right. to you because they're already tweeting out pictures of, of Tony Parker in a Hornets uniform and it's icky and I don't like it. And it just would have been great. 17 years of the Spurs would have put him very high on that list that we had talked about before. It would have given the Spurs a sure. ton of more players than this. But Tony Parker has to go ruin it by playing with the damn Hornets. So I get it. I understand. But, you know, it is what it sure. is. So is Tony Parker uh, uh, historically the greatest player to ever be a Hornet? Oh, wow. Because um, really probably the only two players that I can think of that would compete with it would be Alonzo Mourning and um, or Parrish. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Um, yeah, yeah, you got Zoe. Yeah, so I, I think yeah, it is between those three. I'm, I'm kind of zoning in on, on Alonzo Mourning and Tony Parker. I think Alonzo Mourning is probably a more dominant player, but I think Tony Parker probably had more... Yeah, who was greater all-time between Alonzo and Tony Parker? That's tough because you would seem like... I think most people would just kind of say Alonzo, but I think that does a great disservice to Tony Parker, who was fucking awesome for... for right quite a few years so that's that's a really good question there right i mean alonzo was a legit mvp candidate for a couple years right um, right but right. obviously was his career was cut short you know for so if you talk about overall contributions that that's getting kind of getting into hazy territory on longevity versus you know peak impact but um yeah i don't know i just occurred to me when when he signed there i'm like oh, i i wonder you know who you would uh you would say on those lists i I mean, Michael Parrish over Parker too. I mean, Parrish was yeah, a top oh, of course. player. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. So I don't know. It is one of those three guys. I perhaps listeners can uh, share you know their uh, thoughts on the uh, matter as well. Uh, t- tweet us at over and back NBA or uh, our Facebook group as well. Either way, um, we'd love to hear your your input on it. Yeah, or anything else you want to talk about? I don't about. know if I can come up with it. I, that's a really tough question there because I love Zoe and like you said, he was a dominant player for quite a few years. But Tony's just got the longevity. I don't know. It's that's really fascinating. There. Yeah, I'm interested in what you guys say. That. Definitely answer that question for us because I cannot come up with a decision. So maybe our fine folks can can settle the debate for us. Uh, two more guys here. We got George Gervin, 12 seasons with the franchise. But, of course, in 1985, is traded by the Spurs to the Chicago Bulls uh, and then plays out the strings of his career with the Chicago Bulls. But 12 years with George Gervin and the Spurs. I, again, really wish he had not gone to the Bulls because that would be awesome to have Gervin at 12, Parker at 17, Ginobili where he was, Duncan where he was, Robinson where he was. It's just like the Spurs. Because like, all the other franchises we talk about are these, like, what I would really consider the legacy franchises in the NBA, the Lakers, the Celtics, the, the, the 76ers guys like those and then to have you know the Spurs be as and, and they are I mean the, the Spurs are you know it might take a few years until we kind of realize it they are a legacy franchise in the NBA I mean they've been really good for a lot of years we've talked about it before the 50 win streak is incredible the playoff streak is incredible the stuff they've had and they've been good almost from the moment they joined the NBA and shit, even in the ABA as well so they're maybe not at that point quite yet or but they probably should be but it's just interesting to see them almost dominate that list in terms of guys just hanging around there and, and you would never think San Antonio would be this place where people just end up spending almost their entire careers with but they do and it's not just a recent thing too George Gervin kind of sets the standard there with 12 years with the franchise yeah absolutely and yeah the end not so good you know going to the Bulls no. and uh, think, things not, not going great there and there, there being some issues there but I think all was uh, forgiven after that so uh, obviously yeah and he a really fun player to watch too and, and and really like his peak you know he was like a all nba first team guy like four years in a row or four out of five years or whatever i mean he was really you know he, he was the best shooting guard in the game for you know a significant amount of time and um 
you know, the era that he got stuck in um, isn't as fondly remembered as some other eras, but he was absolutely you know super important player and obviously important in Spurs history. Yeah, absolutely. And then our final guy here, Carl Malone, who went and ruined it. He had 18 season in Utah, established quite the career, and then has one year with the Lakers. Wow, wow. <laughs> so he just yeah, right. would have been high on the yeah. list, but... Didn't I get it. Well, he's high, he's high on this list, I guess. He's high so on this on list. The, yeah. He wanted the rings. Yeah. I get it. You know, yeah. things happened. They almost got there. Then things didn't yeah. happen, and then he was gone. Exactly. So I've. we'll, we'll close on this uh, question. Where does Carl Malone rank among all-time great players who have played for the Lakers? We'll, we'll include <laughs> oh, wow. LeBron yeah, in this list right. since, okay. he, since he hasn't played. Yeah, you're right. It just seems so weird to have this question and, and phrase it in Carl Malone territory. But, I mean, Carl Malone is, is, is one of the best to ever play. I mean, I... Right. I'd put him below Kareem. Okay. I'd put him probably below a Magic. Right. I'm going to get a lot of shit, but I'd have him in the conversation with a Kobe. I know Kobe stands are <laughs> feverishly okay. typing, but I think Carmelo okay. is a pretty fucking great all-time player. I I would say somewhere in that that Kobe range. I think he's probably a little bit above Jerry West, even though Jerry West had an incredible career. I think he's a little bit above uh, at Elgin Baylor. I don't know where to put with the George Mikan just because it was almost a completely different era. Uh, for sure. basketball, what about, what about Shaq? Oh, fuck, they had Shaq too. God damn it, I forgot about Shaq and Wilt. Oh, Wilt. Wilt. Okay, never mind. Okay, all right. Um, this that's not fair. How did the Lakers get this many good players? That's they, they should, have, and they have yeah. LeBron now too. What the fuck? No, that's they're right. not allowed to do yeah. that. They're not allowed to do that. They can't have these yeah. many good players. They need to share the wealth. Uh, ah, shit, I forgot about LeBron. LeBron's in the Lakers, Jason. Did you remember that? I, I do remember that. Yeah, oh. I, I heard that. It, it, it happened. God, yeah, he's so, got to be fifth so, then, right? Like around five, fifth, sixth, which sucks because it's Carmelo. Like he's, you know, right. Man, he's like a top 20 so, player. So, but yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, he's so he's behind Kareem. Yeah, he's for behind sure. LeBron. Yes. Um, he's, I, I would say he's behind Magic. Yeah. Uh, behind Shaq. Mm-hmm. Um, behind Wilt. I would put him behind sure. Wilt. Yeah, and I think that's okay. where I would then comfortably put so him. So that would be that would be sixth. sixth. And, but then and there's then, arguments yeah. to be made. Then there's, you know, Kobe and there's arguments, Kobe. Jerry West and arguments. West. And yeah. yeah. Uh maybe even Baylor, you know. Um so yeah, that's uh that's tough. God that's man, uh, yeah. that's not fair. Lakers, no, that's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta give some of those guys. You're not uh, allowed to have LeBron. He, you gotta trade LeBron. You're somebody, not, you can't have him. <laughs> somebody else uh who you have to think about? Uh, Steve Nash. Oh right. <laughs> Probably not as good as Carl Malone, but he's like you know. Um, what about Dwight Howard? Like you know what I mean? Like we always gotta laugh about Dwight oh, Howard, but yeah, like right. Dwight's That's a weird true. one. Like right now he's he's a yeah. laughing stock, but I mean Dwight Howard's fucking great. Like he's really good. He's right. like yeah, the tenth best Laker yeah. of all time. Like you know, like yeah, maybe fifteenth, but yes, <laughs> right, but, right, but still, yeah, 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 yeah. right. It, it's crazy. Yeah, he's a guy who was a yeah, MVP candidate. You know, so Stupid yeah. Lakers. Anyway, Stupid no, Lakers. it's. Uh, uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, that's some fun fun thoughts there. What a, so, what an uh, experiment there. That is that'll be our next fun episode to do. Is best Lakers player of all time. We're just all we do is just upset Kobe player uh, Kobe stands by putting him like far below these sure. guys. But it's like oh, come on, nice. uh, yeah. I, I would put Kobe maybe one ahead of, of Carl, but I, it's like right, like you know, it's it's very very yeah close. yeah. Like, yeah. I would, no, I, I yeah, can I can hear arguments both ways. Like I probably yeah. prefer Malone, but if you told me you had Kobe above him, I wouldn't argue with you. That much, sure. I probably would prefer Malone a little bit, but yeah, it's that's tough. It, that's it's tough. It's there. super close. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> all right. Well, hopefully, I gave everyone some uh, food for thought. Feel free to tweet us your uh, all-time greatest Lakers or any other team for that matter. Uh, you know, you're, you, you now in the spirit of all-time greatest player to play for that uh, franchise because that, that would be more interesting than you know the the other way. But nevertheless, uh, you can you can find us. Um, 
You can find us at the step back at fansided.com. Um, you can also uh, find us on Twitter and Facebook at over and back NBA. Feel free to share anything you want with us. Uh, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. We're probably there and we'd appreciate your uh, feedback. So uh, thanks for listening and we're back again soon. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.